morning again. We have access to his presence today and forever. So I want to welcome you. Today is what we are calling Vision Sunday. And what is Vision Sunday? Well, Vision Sunday is really a day where we want to take time to focus on what we believe the Lord is directing us as a church and as a group of believers here at New Testament Church to really intentionally go after things this year, 2017. And this is not something that we just uh, thumb through a book and we pull out a topic. This is something that we've been praying about and really seeking the Lord about for some time. Today, uh, maybe different than some Vision Sundays, is this is really about the vision of the church and not just 2017 alone. It's, it's really the vision that we believe that God has given us as a church to be forever. I, I was standing back there during the last worship song. I was looking around at the different people. We have people here that used to pastor here. I see Bob Paragallo here today. And he was when we moved here, I was seven years old, and he had a big old four-wheel drive truck and was an associate dr- uh, pastor here at the church. And I liked the fact he had a truck more than the fact that he was a pastor. But, but, uh, but yeah. But I, I wanted to welcome you guys for being here today. And from Canada, don't you know? And uh, he married uh, Troy Matthews, Pod Troy's daughter, and. And uh, so Linda's here, and I see Sandy's here today, so welcome. And I see those of us that have been here after that, and then those of you that have come more recent, more recently. But no matter when you were here or, or when you started coming, this is your church. This isn't my church. This isn't Bob's church or Pastor Doug or Pastor Scott's church. This is your church. Why? Because you are the church. The church doesn't exist without you. And guess what? It exists because of you and in your imperfection. Think about that. God did not say you're going to be the church when you're perfect. You're the church now. You're being perfected, but you're not perfect. That's why the last song we sang is, it's so awesome because it's mercy over judgment. Judgment separates us from the church. Mercy invites us in to be the church. And so that's who we are here today. And as we talk about the vision of the church, I want you to understand this is the vision that God has spoken to us, all of us. And maybe you've heard it already or maybe it's new to you today, but I want you to receive it as this is God's vision for us as a church, it says in Scripture that without a progressive vision or without vision, people will perish. And, and uh, there's also in there, it talks about having a clear vision, clearly written so that people may run into battle or run to wherever they're going and be able to clearly understand the vision. And, and there's different talk. Is it, is it the vision needs to be clearly written so then they can go run? Or is it a vision that needs to be clearly written so they can run and still see it? it? Regardless of what it is, the vision needs to be clear. 
Because without a clear vision, we would perish. And, and I would think of it more as a, in business-like terms. If, if a business doesn't have a clear purpose, it's just a matter of time before competition will close them. In, in the business world, they'll look at it and they'll say, what is your niche in the market? If you're in sales, you're going to try to know what your niche is in the market. Are you going to be, is your niche going to be like Walmart where, where it's l- low prices every day? Or is it going to be like Men's Warehouse where the service is awesome? My wife always gives me a hard time because I love to go into Men's Warehouse because you can literally, one of my first experiences in Men's Warehouse, it's a men's clothing store that's, by the way, I think this jacket came from there. But we were living in Reading, and I remember walking into this men's warehouse, and, and I needed a suit. I think I was being interviewed for a promotion, and, and so I was, I didn't know. It had been a while since I bought a suit. They had me literally just walk in and stand at a table, and they said, well, what color are you thinking? I, I don't know, gray. So they go, and they pulled gray suits off the shelf, and they lay them in front of me. Then they lay shirts out in front of you. And then they laid ties out in front of you. I didn't have to move. I just had to stand there, and they did all the shopping for me. And I thought, this is my place because I don't like to shop. And, and so, but that's the niche in their market. Guess what? I'll go there because that's their niche. And it made me feel good, right? But there's many churches out there, and, and we all love God and what he did through his son, Jesus, on the cross. He sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. And whether you accepted him when you were six years old, five years old, 70 years old, I don't care. The fact of the matter is what happened at the cross was just as powerful regardless of how old you were or when it happened. And if it was 40 years ago, it was just as powerful 40 years ago as it should be for you today. And that's true for many, many, many churches. And in the city of Woodland, there's several churches there's lots of churches, but there's, each church should have this, this vision for themselves, and not one that's made up by man, but one that is God-given. Well, how do you know it's God-given? Well, let me t- tell you about a, a journey. Um, it wasn't a physical journey. It was more of a spiritual journey. Um, I remember... Uh, uh, I, first of all, I want to thank the board for putting up with me as long as they have, which has only been two years, so we'll see how much longer they'll put up with me. But, um, but I know early on I was like, well, what's our vision? You know, and, and, and we had a lot of talk about it, a lot of discussion about it. And I'd go in my office and I'd say, well, we need a vision statement because, you know, every good organization needs to have a mission statement and a vision statement. That might be true, but if you don't live it, then it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, I was like, well, we need to have it. And so, and so I, was, I would start writing things out that were cute and, and maybe would uh, sound good. <laughs> and I would start writing it out on paper, and it just kind of was like, ugh. Have you ever eaten something that was just kind of bland? It was kind of like that for me. It was just like, ah, this isn't quite it. This doesn't, this doesn't sit well. And so I'd push the pad of paper away, and, and months would go by again. It just wasn't time. And then I'd come back to it again and scratch things out and, put it away, and there was prayer, and there was, and there was just seeking the Lord on it. You know, in Scripture time, you know, in your Bible reading in the morning, is this, is this your vision statement for the church, and maybe I can make it fit? And, and, and that, again, is man trying to make things work. And finally, there was a day, and, 
And I wasn't even setting out to do this, but I was in my office probably getting ready to study for a Sunday service, and, and a pad of paper was sitting there, the same one that I had all the scratching on. And I pulled it out, and I started reading through all the things that I had written down, and I didn't like any of them. And then all of a sudden, I just started writing, and it became very clear, and, and I, we went to the board with this statement, or I went to the board, and we, we looked it over, and there was agreement. And there's power in agreement. And, and, and the reason we have to have accountability with one another is because, you know, like it or not, I may not always hear clearly from the Lord. But if, if I believe I'm hearing from the Lord and I trust the spiritual health of other men or women and I ask them about it and they can confirm it, then I really truly believe it was of God. And so today, that's what I want to present to you today is what is the vision of New Testament church? But before we get there, Carol, if you go to that first slide, we've had a mission statement as a church for some time. It, it's been um, edited, edited, cleaned up a little but this is our mission as a church. What is a mission? It's what we do as a church. It, it, a mission statement is, and, and then it's being very intentional about doing these things. And so we as a church, you as a church, as the New Testament church at Woodland, NTC, our mission is to discover the reality of God's love. We come to church on the weekends to discover how much God loves us. And his love is incredible, and you can never measure it, but you can certainly discover it. And that's what our weekend services are really all about, is discovering how much God loves us. This morning during worship, did you, did you really sense his presence? And in his presence, didn't you feel loved? When you started to understand that mercy is better than judgment, and that he has mercy over you, don't you feel his love? And if you've been here, if this is your first time here, I want you to know that you are loved. And, and hopefully you feel loved because of the other people that are here today are loving on you. Because that's also how we discover his love, is through him and his presence and through the actions of other believers. Our mission is to discover the reality of God's love, but it's also to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the church. It's a process. We want to know his love, but we also want to develop and grow in what? In our knowledge? Nope, not just knowledge. In our emotions? Nope, not just in our emotions. In all of it. We want to develop in our knowledge, in our, in our I, I say emotions, but it's really in our, in our knower. Not this knower, but in this heart knowledge and really in the relationship of it all, in our relationship with God, and the relationship with this church, which is one another. The interesting thing about development is it's painful at times. Development is, I have a 14-year-old that just went through a growing spurt. And in that time, you may not remember this, but there is a pain that comes in growth. They're called growing pains. And it's part of development. And so we can sometimes, it, it, much like he was or I was when I was growing, I, I couldn't wait. You know, the growing pains, yeah, they weren't fun, but I couldn't wait to go up to the measuring post to see how much I actually grew, right? 
Well, that's true for us, and it should be true for us in, in our walk with Christ. We shouldn't run from the pain, but we should be developed in the relationship that comes sometimes through pain. So our mission is to discover the reality of God's love, to develop personal relationship with Jesus Christ and His church. But then it doesn't stop there. This is all so we can live the life He created us to live with great purpose, and that is to demonstrate our God-given purpose in life. We shouldn't come up short there. We're, what does that mean? That just means serving, helping. Uh, accidentally on Christmas, we had coffee and and snacks before service, and for, and then here it is, it's still going on today. Well, that doesn't just happen. People are serving and demonstrating God-given purpose in life, and, and I'm sure they could use help with it, and you could help do that with them and, and, and serve. And there's, you know, I saw somebody out today carrying an umbrella, helping the people in because it was raining. That's serving. Um, tables don't get set up and taken down by themselves. People are serving in the house here. In the community, people are serving, whether it be at Fourth and Hope or at schools. Or I, I, I know that the school that my son goes to, they, parents need to serve. I mean, it's part of the requirement. It's good to serve because when you're serving, you're demonstrating purpose. And not just any purpose. It's, it's godly servanthood purpose. That's our mission as a church, and that's been pretty clear. It's on your bulletin. It's been there for some time. Everybody's going to look at their bulletin now because I said that. So, and that's okay. It's there. But what is our vision? The vision of New Testament church, and that's the next slide, is, is to encounter his presence, changing lives for eternity. The, the, the vision is why we do the what. The what we do is, is to discover and develop and demonstrate, but why do we do it? Well, one thing I can tell you, and, and people that have been here for some time know that one thing that New Testament church has always been passionate about is God's presence. And so why we do what we do is we're passionate for people to encounter His presence. Encountering His presence is what it really is all about. Encountering His presence, why? So that lives will be changed for eternity. Now, encountering His presence, if you go back to that slide, encountering His presence, changing lives for eternity. It's not changed. It's not a one-time thing. It's a constant thing. It's a constant state of change. We're constantly changing. We're constantly growing. We're constantly developing. But it should always happen in the midst of his presence. Otherwise, it becomes something that could be manufactured by man. It would be a Pharisee way of living, which we don't want to be that as a church. We want to be spirit-led. And so as change comes, as we develop, as we grow, we want to know that it's happening in the midst of his presence. And so starting today and on for several weeks, we're going to be going through a series called Encountering His Presence. And what is that, to encounter His presence? What does that mean for us, to encounter His presence? And, and there's several things I'll get to, but I want to tell you about a time that I felt like I was always in His presence. And that was, we lived up in Reading, as I mentioned earlier, and, and uh, I did a lot of driving uh, around the northern part of the state. 
and there's, it's just beautiful up there. If, if you ever get a chance to go on a long road trip, go drive around Northern California between Redding to Wairica or over to uh, Alturas. Or, it's just beautiful up there. And I got to spend a lot of time doing that. And there's, I remember one day I was, we were new to the area, and I was very focused as I can get, and that was very focused on the job at hand. And I was by myself driving and just put in a good day's work, and it was turning around and driving home from Wairica. And I'm on Highway Interstate 5, I-5, heading south, coming out of Wairica. And then it just hit me. And it was this mountain called Mount Shasta. Here's a picture of it. Mount Shasta is one that um, can be seen sometimes as far south as like Orland on I-5 on a clear day. Uh, it's just gorgeous, and you can't escape its presence. It's just there. I can remember driving down I-5 and just breathtaking, awestruck by the immensity of this mountain. It's God's creation. God was very present at that point in time. I had opportunities to visit homes and things in that area because of the job I had. And, and there would be people that had these beautiful homes, but one thing that they always tried to have was a huge window looking at Mount Shasta because of its beauty. That reminds me of God's presence. He created that. Just like he created you and I, he created that mountain. I spent a lot of time traveling around that mountain, and, and in conversation, I was fortunate enough, as I've mentioned probably in the past, that the car I drove didn't have a radio that worked. And so guess what? It was me, my thoughts, and God, and his thoughts, and that mountain. And, and what's interesting is the job I had was one that was about uh, sales and and producing more and more sales. Well, what did you sell to? You sell, sold to people. What is there not a lot of up there? People. But, but in spite of all that, God's favor was amazing. Because in the midst of his presence, there is favor. And, and, and so there was success that came because of his favor. It wasn't because of me and what I was doing. I was too busy gawking at the mountain. It was his favor going before that brought success in that place. I was clear in that it was God. I, I, as we were praying for Vanessa and Rudy earlier, I know that it's God's favor that brings promotion. And that comes when you're in his presence. That will always be a reminder for me that he's always present. This next few months, couple months, my challenge to you is daily, weekly, at least every Sunday, take time to intentionally focus in on his presence. There's a, a book that we've been reading, and I say we because it was my father and I, and in this book, it talks about three kinds of presence. 
we think of God, and I can remember telling my daughter when she was little, because I traveled a lot, I remember giving her a little round uh, steel marble of sorts. And I said, just remember, this is that re- a reminder for you that God is always watching over you. Now, I remember as a little kid, that was kind of scary, because he saw the bad things I was doing. Right? And, and, so, and so that... So there's a, there's a verse here in Jeremiah. It says, can anyone, Jeremiah 23, 24 says this, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and earth, says the Lord? He's everywhere. There is no place that you can go to hide from him. Now, that might be scary for some, or that might be encouraging for others. I saw a post, I think it was on Facebook just yesterday about, um, I don't know if this is factual or not, it's on the internet, so again, it must be true, but it says the third Monday of January is the most depressing day of the year for many people. I thought, wow, I don't know what third Monday has to do with anything. Um, The holidays are over. It's, it's kind of a letdown after the holiday season and Christmas is over. You had Thanksgiving, lots of time with family and friends. But for those that would find themselves in a depressed or lonely place, they can know that they're, this is powerful scripture. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? He is with us wherever we go. There isn't a place that we can go and hide from him. My hope is that in this year that we really embrace who we are as a church and that we get to a place or we don't want to hide from his presence. If anything, we're going after his presence in all that we do. In this book, Richard Owen Roberts, a student of historical revival, has identified three distinct ways in which God, God's presence can be known. He calls these essential, these three, essential presence, manifest presence, and cultivated presence. Now, this, the essential presence, this, this essential presence is kind of summed up in the mountain in a sense. It, it simply means he is everywhere, filling all of his creation without any limitations of space or time. The material universe and time exist only because of God and for his good pleasure. God is everywhere. There is not a place you can go and hide. He is always present. Some would say, well, if he's always present, then how do we go after his presence? Uh, and, and we're going to look at some of those things over the next few weeks. His, yes, there's this essential presence where he is always here, always available. You can see him in the rain as it falls, in the, in the floods as they may come in certain areas. But you can also see it in the smile of a child, in a, in a, in a good deed given by a believer to another person. or You can see his presence Everywhere, if we choose to look and see. The other one is his manifest presence. Now, this is where God's manifest presence enters in and shows up in special, forceful, forceful tangible ways. I, I think of it as, as if I was to flip that switch on, all of a sudden, dark would be gone. That light would manifest itself in such a way that dark would vanish it wouldn't retreat. You wouldn't see it leave. It's just gone. And that's what you, you see these uh, examples of this throughout Scripture where all of a sudden there, there was 
activity going on, and God manifested himself, and his presence was there and real. And for some of you, you may have had some of those opportunities where God showed up. Maybe you were in a bad place, and God showed up. Maybe it was a a bad time in your life, and God showed up. We see people struggling in life. Maybe you're struggling in life. And then all of a sudden, you encounter this manifest presence of God. Those are these life-changing moments. In the Old Testament, you would see where uh, men would encounter God's presence, and they'd build an altar or dig a well to remember that moment in time that God showed up and manifested himself in such a way that was powerful. It was life-changing because his presence is that. It is life-changing. It is the way of getting our attention. And when we had, in some ways, wandered off, I, I don't look forward to people wandering away from the Lord. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I know that God is pursuing them when they've wandered. And I pray for them that God's manifest presence will encounter them. It's that presence that that we feel. Sometimes you've been in worship services. I remember a worship service. We were in Modesto, and it was a youth uh, service, and I was one of the chaperones or drivers. And there was a a gentleman speaking there that has spoken at many large crusades, and you guys may have heard this or remember this, but again, Reinhard Bonnke was his name, or is his name. And as he was praying, he, was, he told everybody this. He says, we're going to get to a point at the end of the service where we are going to encounter his presence. And, and those weren't his words verbatim. But, and he continued to preach, but we were expecting and anticipating that we were going to get to a point in time where his presence was going to be so real. And I can remember standing there in the back. I backslidden. I'm joking. For all you who sit in the back, that doesn't mean that you've backslidden. But I remember saying, you know what? I could choose to really go after his presence or not. And I said, you know what? I feel like what I have is, is not what it could be. I've had experiences with the Lord and, and experienced His presence and been filled in the Spirit and then refilled in the Holy Spirit. And, but it, it, I just felt like I needed another encounter. And so the time came, he says, I, he, wanted, he gave some instruction and wanted everybody to lift their hands and just start screaming or praying or whatever we were doing. And just with everything I had, I remember closing my eyes and just stretching my hands to heaven and just, Dear God... It was a life-changing moment because for me, and I don't know what else happened in that room, but for me, I got to encounter his presence. For you, if you've encountered his presence, I want you to consider that for a minute. Remember the time that you encountered his presence where it was a manifest presence of God. You could feel it. There's this third presence, this cultivated presence. Now, in this book, he suggests that the cultivated presence of God is an experience that any of us can have when our hearts are rightly prepared. 
Now, this, this can raise some questions. Some would say, uh, who are we to think that we can approach God in our own wisdom? Aren't we in danger of trying to manipulate or control the sovereign God by our actions? God, I like this saying, God is not a genie in a bottle compelled to respond to our advances. We can't experience God's presence because of what we do or what we control. God is present now. Just, just even though I'm driving through the forest doesn't mean Mount Shasta isn't there. I can't see it, but it's, not, but it's still there. It's the same thing with the Lord. Just because I'm busy in life doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't, just as I can't move the mountain physically, I can't move God. God is there. And the awesome thing about God is that he's pursuing us. So he's not one that we manipulate. But we have the opportunity that we can encounter his presence by our actions and by how we train our lives. Sometimes we we get off track and we start pursuing the presence of other things. We spent a couple days in in Disneyland, and so did half of the United States. It was very, 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 very busy. I've never been there where they actually had to close the park because of so many people. And and I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me um, because I was in Disneyland. But there's a, but they, I, I always marvel at how perfect they try to do things. Because they want you to encounter something that is in many ways awesome. Dean and I rode the uh, bench ride a lot, which were, means we sat on the bench and just watched people. But at one point we were sitting there and and there's a security guard that, a guy that walks over, and he's standing there, and he's on his radio. And we look down, and somebody had stuck a padlock on one of the railing there, just random padlock. But that shouldn't have belonged there, and he was going to make sure it was removed because they were so perfect about what they do to present something that is awesome in many ways. And every time I go to Disneyland, I get the same message from the Lord. That man's perfection pales in comparison to God's perfection. But how many times in our life do we not find perfection? How many times in your life does, does everything feel broken or imperfect or out of place or out of sorts? Or, or maybe everything's together, but there's... One little thing out of order. I think for us, many of us, it's all the time things seem out of place or out of control or out of order. But in God, it can be awesomely perfect. Now, several years ago, I, I preached a message and I said something about being perfect. And somebody really had a problem with that because we are not perfect. But we have capacity. This is where I want to challenge you. In this life, will we realize perfection? No. But we have capacity to be perfected. 
It's a process. It's the changing lives for eternity. And it happens when we encounter his presence. And church, this is my challenge for all of us as a New Testament church, as believers, that we enter into a place of being perfected. And we don't go there on our own, on man's agenda or man's work or man's effort, but we enter into this place of perfection by going into a place of his presence. And how do we cultivate that presence? That cultivated presence is all about deciding intentionally, purposeful. I'm going to set aside whatever agenda I have in this moment, and I'm just going to focus my thoughts upon you, God. I want to get into your scripture. Now, I don't want to read scripture because the pastor told me to. I want to read scripture because I want to know your heart, God. That it's, it's a book written to you, for you, to perfect you. Imagine a church where people come in and it's better than Disneyland. And how did it get there? It didn't get there because we were really good at managing things. It got there because we were really intentional about cultivating presence. What's our vision as a church? Our vision as a church is one that is about cultivating presence, looking forward to his manifesting presence, understanding that his essential presence is always here and always around us. That's my challenge for us. And it's not mine, it's God's challenge for us. God is always moving towards you and me. And the awesome thing, because of his mercy, regardless of our spiritual condition, he's not abandoned us. I think about being, in, I'm an intentional person. I like to have tasks. I like to have things I can check off and do. But I don't want to do it if it's not in the midst of his presence. So those of you that are here, because you're all here, <laughs> isn't that a weird statement? Those of you that are here, because some of you aren't here right now, will you join us, though, this year to be intentional about encountering his presence? Now, our promise to you is that we're going to, over the next several weeks, look at different ways to encounter his presence. What, what can we do as believers so that we can encounter his presence on a great level? I, I listen to the little one, not that it's distracting or anything, Libby, but as I'm, I'm teasing, but as I listen to, to Bennett making sure that we know he's present, I think about children in the presence of their parents. Earlier I said, you know, there was times that when I'd read in Jeremiah that I can't run and hide, that was scary for me. But I can tell you this, as a child, I always look forward to being in the presence of my parents, unless I was doing something wrong. But then that's where mercy came in. 
I um, <laughs> I was I told this story. You guys get to hear stories over and over again. But when I was probably six years old, um, my dad had taken off and, and left me. <laughs> Wasn't quite that bad, but I was in the midst of the presence of Gilligan's Island, and I was really enthralled with what I was watching, and he didn't want to interrupt me, and he was heading off to get the car that had just got new shocks on it, and I just knew the car was going to be, like, totally different, because it had new shocks on it, and and I wanted to go along and just see this beautiful act of new shocks on a car, and and, uh, he left me. Oh, and I was was angry, so angry. Gilligan's Island ended, and they still weren't rescued from the island, and I was depressed, and I turned around, and he's gone, and I look outside, and I asked mom, where did he go? And he left without me, and I was just devastated. So I decided I was going to run away and go find him. We lived in Illinois, and it was uh, a little town of 300 people, and he had to go to another town, which was probably several miles away. But I kind of thought I knew it was down that road because there was only two roads in town, so it had to be that road. So as I was heading out that road, I'm hiking down that path, and and I got to get into wherever he's going, and, and the guy that had taken him had a nice hot rod type car, and, and I could see it on the horizon heading my way, and so I thought I'd get in the ditch and try to hide, and, but it was very obvious that I was there, and so he picked me up, brought me home. Needless to say, my mother wasn't real happy with me at the time, and it was one of those uh, moments where all she could do was send me to my room and wait for my father to come home. Well, that was the time where I did not want to be in his presence. And I remember just, (laughs) I'm sure there was tears. My life was going to end. And I think back to that movie that was just out, Christmas Story, uh, not just out, but we watch it every Christmas. And and the little boy goes in underneath the sink and hides and says, Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. And I kind of just knew that that was going to be me. Daddy was going to kill Dougie. And uh, so as I'm laying in bed and I hear the car come in the driveway and I hear some talking going on downstairs and I knew I was going to go home to be with the Lord. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. In fact, nothing really happened. That's mercy. Mercy. It's the same mercy that's available to you and I all the time. And that mercy is in his presence. Being present with the Lord isn't being ashamed of what we've done or what we've become. Being in his presence is knowing his mercy and being perfected to be more than what we could ever possibly imagine. His mercy isn't just to cover the judgment that should be on our lives. His mercy is also there to take something that really shouldn't become anything and make it something in life that's beautiful. And that's what he wants to do for you and I and for the church. If you really saw how the church ran, it shouldn't be anything. Maybe not. It's well ran. But the church becomes something because of him, because of his mercy And the church becomes something not just to hang out at, but it becomes beautiful for a community that needs to know true beauty. 
and we get to that place again by what? Encountering his presence. Would you all stand? If the band would come. Two thousand seventeen and beyond. We as a church, we are encountering his presence, changing lives for eternity. We're intentional about it. We're excited about it. Because it's the vision that allows us to run swiftly and fast into a community that needs to know him. Will you be that church and be a part of that church? Would you bow your heads as we pray? Dear God, we present to you the New Testament church. A church which you founded, which you destined, that you are preparing to do a work that's beautiful, all for your glory. That's this church, Lord. Lord, we thank you for giving us opportunities to steward the work that you've given us. You do the building, we do the stewarding, and Lord, may we not do it under our own power, under our own agendas, our own vision, but we only do it the way that you direct and the way that you order our steps. Lord, this is your church where people can come and discover your love and grow in relationship and really learn how to serve you with a heart that is admirable in service. Perfect us, Lord. For those that are here today and you've heard us talk about mercy, mercy. I want to challenge you in this. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, God's mercy is more powerful than your inability to be merciful to yourself. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own issues and the things that we've done wrong that we cannot accept the mercy that's available for you right now. It's true that there's no place that we can hide, so anything that I've ever done, he is very aware of. There's no place you can hide anything that you've ever done, he is very aware of. And his love for you in the midst of the ugliness never, ever, ever failed. His love for you has never diminished, never gone away, never disappeared, ever. His love has always remained because his promise is that nothing can separate you from his love. His mercy is available to all because of his love. 
accepting his mercy is this obedient act that leads into being in his presence. Some of the things that stand between us and his presence is the very things that I'm talking about. We can't accept his mercy for the things that we've done wrong, so then therefore we're unable to encounter his presence. What is it in your life that you need to know his mercy in? His forgiveness. What is it? Will you receive it? Will you accept his mercy?